right, welcome to another podcast of the White Collar Crimes Podcast. I am the host, Ryan Horn, and we are very glad to have you aboard as always. You know, we can remember some scandals and some names from the past. One of them, I'm sure some of you that are a little older, probably my age or older, might remember is a name Kenneth Starr. Now, that's who we'll be talking about in a little bit, but I do have to very much make clear a lot of people my age may confuse that for the prosecutor that tried to prosecute then-President Bill Clinton over the Monica Lewinsky scandal and some obstruction of justice and lying to the FBI, that kind of thing. That's not what we're talking about in this case. There is another Kenneth Starr who was also caught up into some scandals, and we will talk about those very soon. But regardless, hope you had a nice Labor Day if you're here in the United States and you celebrate Labor Day. I was fortunate enough to have that day off, but uh, not. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't, so if you're out there and had to work, first responders, people like that, people that work in retail, food service, things like that, kudos to you for the work you do. So glad you were able to uh, join us for this one. And like I said, the Kenneth Star is a name that a lot of you might remember. However, it's uh, not the one some of you may be thinking about. But this is one, and this is Kenneth Star, who really was a con artist to the stars. And so we're going to take a look about what he did in just a little bit, and a little bit about him. And you're going to probably think about this because this is... A little different than what we usually get. A lot of people who are conned by the criminals, the white-collar criminals that we discuss on this show, usually are working-class, middle-class, maybe upper-middle-class folks, but usually not the wealthy are the ones that get scammed and conned by these folks. However, it's a little bit different in this. This is a guy who managed to scam a lot of rich celebrities and a lot of actors, and you'll find out how he did it in just a little bit because we're proud to bring this part coming up to tell you a little bit about how he did and what he did by the weekend angler check them out on the youtube channel they are our new uh, sponsor that we are glad to have aboard and we're glad that they're able to bring this to you and we thank them for being a part of this show so thank you to the weekend angler so be sure and check them out great fishing tips on this channel so uh, again we're very grateful to have them aboard and have them as our sponsor so how did he do this well Kenneth Starr had a background in accounting he grew up in Brooklyn to a Jewish family his father was a school principal and speaking of school he was a pretty talented student so much in the fact he was kind of like I guess you'd say almost like a prodigy and he was able to start college at the age of 15. Now I don't know about you but I was not doing well enough in school at 15 where I could have started college. So obviously a pretty intelligent guy. Now he first worked as an accountant in Manhattan. As again said accountant, very smart, good with numbers, that kind of thing. And he later started his own firm. He was good enough at it. He branched out on his own and started his own firm, Star and Company. And he would go on to represent many celebrities, including Sylvester Stallone, Al Pacino, who, by the way, is one of my favorite actors. When I was signed by the Shawnee Agency, when I got an agent beginning of last year for the voiceover work and some other things I've done, which I'll have a little bit more on that in just a little bit, too. But uh, she asked me who my favorite actor was, and I had to say it was Al Pacino, probably Gene Hackman as a close second. So he represented some very high rollers. Uh, Stallone and Pacino are certainly no lightweights. 
and others including Natalie Portman, pretty big star, Wesley Snipes, same thing, Martin Scorsese, the legendary director. You get the point. Very much high-profile names. Now, like I said, I'm obviously not in that category. I have been able to appear in a couple movies, got some audio books that are getting ready to come out, three that I recorded last year and, and earlier this year that will be coming out soon. You can uh, check out my Facebook page, Ryan Horn Voice Talent, or you can check out my website, ryan-horn.com, to see more of what the works are doing. Or if you would like to hire me for your voiceover project, I would be more than glad to narrate your project, and you can contact me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com for all of that. But he was known, as I said, it's a pretty high roller, so he's obviously making money to get people like this to trust him with their accounting and their investments, things like that. Again, some pretty high rollers as far as Hollywood is concerned. However, by the late 90s, well, backing up just a little bit, he was known earlier at this time, in probably around the late 80s or early 90s, in getting Stallone, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, a lot of the other ones going, and getting the Planet Hollywood thing going. And I know those of you that are my age and older, if you're a Gen Xer, you certainly remember this was a big deal when this came out, the restaurants and all the nostalgia that they had and all the memorabilia and things that were posted it was just living in like living in planet hollywood if hollywood was its own planet this was kind of what it promoted and that's somewhere where a lot of the big stars at the time needed to be seen it was kind of one of the places to be seen if you were an a-list celebrity that was the place to go so uh kind of a big deal that he helped get this going and the people like I said the names that he was involved in getting these things set up certainly no lightweights but by the late 90s however Planet Hollywood began to have a little bit of trouble and some of you that again a little older might remember this that it wasn't even though you would think it would be doing quite well with the star power that was behind it and the popularity and the publicity they were getting and the media coverage and everything like that you would think it was going to be a really big deal However, it began to have a little bit of financial trouble by about the late 90s, and it didn't get much better for Kenneth Starr when Sylvester Stallone sued him for some faulty business practices to the tune of a $10 million lawsuit. Now, $10 million is a decent amount of money probably for anybody to have to cough up, and even especially then, I mean, $10 million is a lot at any time, but you can imagine even late 90s, you're talking you know, close to 25 years ago, so that's that was a pretty good chunk of change then for sure. So he gets hit with a $25 million lawsuit by Sylvester Stallone, whose name obviously in the entertainment industry then and even now still carries an enormous amount of clout. Things got so bad that finally his wife also left the firm, leaving only him, Mr. Uh, Starr, and his son Ron to run the firm. And his son Ron was the only family still left with him to run this firm at this time. Now, some trouble that he was having with these clients, such as Stallone and some of the other high rollers, eventually got him on the radar of the federal authorities, which, how many times have we seen this in the podcast where this comes out? Where it comes out that he is the one that, uh, or they're the ones that get up on the radar for federal authorities. It doesn't take much usually, but a lot of times by the time somebody has been brought down, They've been on the radar of the feds and the authorities for quite a while. So they begin to pick up on these kind of things. They begin to find that uh, some of his business practices were not on the level, not on the up and up, so they began to take a closer look at him. 
But it took a little bit of while, but by the 2010, his legal problems had become formal when he was charged with 23 counts of fraud and money laundering. Usual kind of charges we cover on this podcast. It's certainly Those are certainly not anything unusual. Money laundering courses when somebody tries to set up a legitimate business and then they launder it through to filter it and cover it for illegal activities. A lot of times you see this with the mafia or drug cartels, street gangs, things like that. They will have a legitimate business as a front, but in the end they are funneling this money toward illegal activities, usually to make more money. He tries to hide this from the law. He tries to hide from the law himself, but he was actually captured eventually hiding in his own home. Now, he was held under a $10 million bond, which is oddly the number or the amount of the lawsuit that was filed against him by Sylvester Stallone. But uh, even his wealthiest friends and families and high-rolling clients that he had, none of them were willing to pony this up to get him out of jail. So says a lot about the personal relationships that he had at this point in his life. Now, Starr really, once again, ran this what was known as a basic Ponzi scheme. He, and again, for those of you that are new listeners, we always like to explain this because you hear that term a lot, but a Ponzi scheme is one of the oldest yet simplest white-collar scams. It is simply when somebody takes in money from an investor, promises gigantic returns, and then in the end, they only take that money to fund a lavish lifestyle. They don't actually use it on investments, or at least not all of it. And as long as you have new people continuing to sign up, you can get this money, an enormous amount of money, built up, you can pay off some early clients and keep them happy. But the problem always happens when you run out of new investors, you run out of money, and your scheme collapses. And it happens over and over again in Ponzi schemes. So he took a lot of money and built this Ponzi scheme. But like I said, time had caught up with him. The feds are on to him at this point. He's got a $10 million lawsuit going in civil court by Sylvester Stallone which as we point out over and over in civil cases, you only have to meet a level what's known as preponderance of evidence, which means if it's more likely true than not, that person's guilty. Whereas criminal court, the proof must be beyond a reasonable doubt. Civil court is much easier to meet a level of proof. And if it's true, he could be on the hook for that money. Now, the criminal charges obviously are the more serious at this point for him because he's looking at losing his freedom. He had taken many amount, a great amount of money from many of his A-list clients and promised big returns. But like any other Ponzi scheme, as I mentioned before, when he ran out of new clients, he ran out of money to fi- finance his scheme and it collapsed and he ran out of money to pay back the old investors. And again, that's just the textbook classic Ponzi scheme happens all the time. So the judge believed that Starr was actually partially motivated by his fourth wife, been married four times, and this was a former stripper by the name of Diane Passage. Now, after he married her, he supposedly bought her a very swanky $7.5 million apartment, and Starr wanted to be a big shot, and he wanted to have this image of being a high roller, and we see that all the time on this podcast, a lot of these ones. In fact, last week, We talked about the Horowitz Ponzi scheme that happened, or I'm sorry, I should say two weeks ago, the Horowitz Ponzi scheme that happened in Hollywood where he wanted to appear as a high roller. Unfortunately for his investors and people he scammed, he he did pull that off even though he wasn't a high roller. But a lot of them, it's all about holding up an image. And sadly, that is a big result not only in Hollywood, but our overall culture here in the United States, especially that we just have an image to uphold 
of success and wealth and power, and people are willing to go to great lengths to have that, even if it's deep down not true. But the judge believes that's a lot what motivated him in this case. But the problem is, when you rip off powerful, wealthy people, there can be a problem because these are people who have the resources to fight back and file big suits against you and things like that. And that's the problem that Ken and Starr ran into. He tried to rip off a lot of very wealthy and powerful people. I mentioned to you a little bit ago, there was a list of some Hollywood heavyweights, A-listers, whatnot, and these are people that you can't rip off and not expect some trouble in return. So the he's finally in federal custody. He's looking at a lot of time. And prior to sentencing, Starr's attorney actually claimed his attorneys were ri- or his clients were rich celebrities, and therefore they were not financially harmed by Starr's scams and scheme and his Ponzi scheme. So therefore, not a big deal. You know, they can afford it, so it's okay that he ripped them off. But the problem is, the way the law sees it and the way the court sees it, Starr's intent to defraud were the same, whether he was trying to rip off a everyday Joe, middle-class person, often the ones that are ripped off on these type of schemes, or in this case, the rich Hollywood celebrities, the A-list crowd that he ripped off on this with Planet Hollywood and some of his other schemes. The problem is the intent to defraud was the same, and that's the way the law is going to look at it. It doesn't matter if you try to rip off a very wealthy person or a very poor person. If your intent to defraud is there, that's the problem that you have, and that's where you are criminally liable when you have that intent. So at this point, he's looking up. The judge, he's got to uh, decide where to sentence Starr because Starr ends up pleading guilty. And he sentences him to about seven and a half years in prison, which is probably pretty common for a white-collar crime case like this. Not exceptional, not lenient, and I think it just kind of falls in the middle. And there's a lot you can find out. You know, last week we talked a little bit about how they're sentenced and coming up, in fact... uh, it's going to be in the book that I'm getting ready to come out about how to spot a scammer. Please keep your eyes and ears out for that because I'm going to give one of you lucky folks out there a chance to win this book for free. And I hope that uh, you're able to do that and hope that out there that's listening, that will be you because it's just something we've been putting together here for a while. The podcast is growing and I'm very thankful that you've helped do that. Right now, folks, we're in the top 25 percentile as far as true crime ratings go. Please tell your friends about us, your family. Help us grow. Help us get into that top 10 percentile. That's what we'd like to see here and really help us grow. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you happen to be listening to us, and just help us get the numbers growing. And, of course, when the book comes, we certainly will help. hope that you'll help promote that because we want to educate the public on that. There's just not a lot of podcasts out there that cover this subject. Uh, There is one, and speaking of that, I do want to make a very interesting development that is happening on this podcast. About in April, we're talking less than six months ago, if you remember I did a podcast on Steve Commissar, the guy that had the scam back in the 80s for the solar-powered clothes dryer, which was actually just a clothesline. He actually contacted me after hearing it, and I've spoken a little bit with him, communicated some through emails, checked out his podcast. He has a podcast that covers this subject as well. I believe it's called Scam Junkie, if I'm not mistaken. But if you're listening, Steve, uh, we look forward to having you as a guest on this show, and I am in the works right now to get him on there this show, and I may even possibly be on his. But we do agree it's very important, both of us, to get this word out, regardless of 
what outlet it's coming from because there's just not a lot of podcasts that cover this subject and it certainly doesn't get the news media attention that street crime gets so gets so hopefully together all of us can work together whether it's his podcast or mine or whatever to help get the word out about this subject and we greatly appreciate you tuning in now that being said back to mr star as i said he was sentenced to seven and a half years in prison pretty standard white collar crime sentence but it's not just him that was brought down sometimes we have seen other cases on this podcast where an associate gets taken down and that's what happened here one of his associates new york politician Andrew Stein received a more lenient sentence for some tax evasion that he was involved involved in with with uh, Mr. Starr. And again, we've seen tons of other people brought down for that that we've covered on this podcast. But he got a little bit more of a lenient break. He only got about 500 hours of community service or public service work, what we call it in the probation district I work in. But all in all, his scheme was for about $35 million, still a pretty hefty one, nothing like... Uh, Horowitz's scheme that we covered a couple weeks ago, which was $650 million. Certainly nowhere near the Bernie Madoff one and some of the other ones that we've covered, but still, $35 million is a lot of money, especially when you've ripped it off from people dishonestly and illegally. So he was ordered to pay $29 million of it in restitution. Now, as we say over and over again on here as well, it's not likely to be repaid because... A lot of his friends noted his arrogance and lack of remorse during all this, even right up to sentencing and incarceration. So it's not likely he probably would pay any of that back. He did his time at uh, Federal Correctional Institute Otisville in New York. Not familiar with that federal prison. Know a lot of them, but I haven't heard of that one. But that's where he apparently did his time. He kept a low profile, though, since his release. Not much has really been known about what Mr. Starr is up to these days. If you are happen to be listening to this, Mr. Starr, you are welcome to come on here and tell your side of the story as well. As I said, we've got that in the works with Steve Commissar and hopefully going to be able to make that happen really soon. But he's kept a low profile since his release. Now, we always talk about what can happen after the release, where they're doing. Uh, speaking of Mr. Commissar, he's now using his experience to educate the public on scammers and things like that. And some of them do that. Some of them keep a low profile. Some of them jump right back into business that we've talked about. Now, Mr. Starr, I think, is pushing about 80 years old, so it's not likely he has a great deal of time left, but he certainly could get back into business, most likely, if he chooses to do so. If there are any developments that happen with him, we certainly will keep you advised. Well, we thank you that you have tuned in, and like I said earlier, if you want some voiceover work, check out my website, ryan-horn.com. There's also one of the audiobooks I narrated called In Danger of Judgment. That's out now on Amazon and Audible. Follow our Facebook page, the White Collar Crime Podcast. Help us grow that as well. And like I said, check out my Facebook page, Ryan Horn Voice Talent. If you're in need of voiceover service, always glad to hook you up for that. And as always say, adopt your next best friend at your local pet shelter. Please help support them in any way you can because uh, your next best friend is there waiting for you, folks. I've seen that plenty of times now here through the adventures my wife and I have had with dog fostering and adopting pets from these local shelters. It's just such a rewarding experience. There's none like it. Well, we hope you'll tune in for us again next week. We are looking forward to having you on then. And like I said, hopefully here in the next couple weeks, have Mr. Commissar on where he can tell a little more about his experience with that scam and others and the works he's doing now to help promote uh, 
awareness on white collar crime, which is what we do. So again, like us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're hearing us. Please follow our Facebook page. Share the word. Share the links to this podcast. Help your friends hear it. Help us grow because we want to. We're growing and we want to continue to grow because we're one of the few outlets out there educating the public on this service, on this subject, I should say. But we thank you that you have made it possible and that you have been part of this adventure. And we hope you will continue to do that. And we hope you will be back next week. Take care and God bless everybody. We'll see you next week.